Welcome to What That Means with Camille, companion episodes to the In Technology podcast. In this series, Camille asks top technical experts to explain, in plain English, commonly used terms in their field, then dives deeper, giving you insights into the hottest topics and arguments they face. Get the definition directly from those who are defining it. Now, here is Camille Moorhart. And welcome to today's episode of What That Means with Camille, Asim Hussein, Director of Green Software Engineering at Intel. Welcome to the conversation today. He's also co-founder of Green Software Foundation. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me here. So green software or sustainable software, tell us what that is. So there's multiple different ways you can think about being green when it comes to software. One way you can think about it is building software to make the world more sustainable. For instance, you could build software which does farming in a more you know, environmentally good way. Or you can acknowledge that software itself is an emitter of carbon emissions into the atmosphere. And how do you actually reduce the emissions that software itself is responsible for? And that's how we define green software, software which really takes responsibility for its own emissions and tries to minimize that or eliminate as much of that as possible. I'll ask the sort of most obvious question that would mm. come with that, which is software is a digital thing contained inside of a box and uh, doesn't fart or uh, burp <laughs> or <laughs> so how, how, is it, how is it emitting? <laughs> Well, I don't know about your software, but my software does a lot of that <laughs> stuff. So basically, like software is a driver of emissions. So essentially, what we say is there's three ways of making software greener. Essentially, what we call four principles. Uh, the first principle is called carbon efficiency, which is emit the least amount of carbon possible. And I know that sounds like an obvious statement, but I feel like some sometimes obvious statements need to be made. And three years ago, there was actually quite a lot of argument about this anyway. Um, but there's really only three ways of reducing carbon emissions when it comes to software. The first is energy efficiency. For me, this was actually quite a surprise. I've been in the software development space for two decades now, and I never really knew how it was made. What are the components of it? How is it bought and sold? How does it differ country by country? Which now I find kind of a almost a ridiculous position to be in because it's fundamental to everything that I do is the consumption of electricity. You need to understand, if you want to be a green software practitioner, you need to understand what electricity is all about. And the main issue is that electricity is the single biggest emitter of carbon emissions in the world. About 80% of all the world's electricity is still made to the burning of coal. And we hear a lot about renewables and other sources, but most of the world burns coal. And in fact, they burn very dirty coal. We used to burn you know, much cleaner coal. And then about 20 years ago, people discovered that cleaner coal causes acid rain. And so everybody kind of flipped over to burning kind of a much more dirtier coal that, that has much greater emissions. So just looking at it from that perspective, we call energy a proxy for carbon because you can draw a straight line between energy and carbon emissions. And therefore, if your, if your goal is to be carbon efficient, you must be also be energy efficient. And so that's kind of one of the ways you can be green is just by consuming less energy. So hold, hold on. So you said 80% of carbon emissions come from electricity? I've forgotten the global stat. It's about 49, I believe, percent of carbon emissions come from heating and 
electricity generation. I haven't got the electricity specific. In the US is about 25% of the carbon emissions of the US is just in the creation of electricity. Mm. But most electricity in the world is created by burning coal. 80% of the electricity that's created worldwide is created by burning coal. That was the statistic I was saying, yeah. Okay, and you're saying compute is a piece of that puzzle because it's using electricity to run, to run yeah. servers, to run PCs, to run whatever yeah. electrical thing. Yeah, And it depends. It really does vary depending on types of devices. So this is my mobile phone. They tend to be quite energy efficient for a variety of reasons, but that's the, the primary reason is because of the battery. There's so much human pressure put on developers who are building mobile applications to make them energy efficient because no one wants to have a mobile phone that dies after about a minute. So there's already a natural pressure there. But if you're building software for devices, for uh, machines that typically are plugged into a power socket and have essentially an infinite amount of energy, there's almost no pressure on people who build software to make it more energy efficient because I mean, none of the price pressure for energy consumption is even passed to the consumer in the cloud space. I mean, you can consume lots of energy, no energy, you get, you pay the same for your cloud bill. So that's kind of one of the angles is just kind of energy efficiency. The other angle we call about is called hardware efficiency, because like there's also what we call embodied or embedded carbon. So looking at this mobile phone again, this emitted carbon when it was manufactured all the little components, the case, the chips, all of it emitted carbon. And it will also emit carbon when it's disposed of uh, very responsibly. There'll also be some carbon emissions from there. All of that is called the embedded or embodied carbon. Then you have to ask yourself the question, if you're an application developer, like what do you do with that information? The carbon is already out there. What's my responsibility there? And then we talk about this idea of hardware efficiency, which is uh, use the least amount of embodied carbon possible. For, which for most kind of end user devices is all about uh, increasing the lifespan of this device, the usable lifespan of this device. So um, this is my old phone and I was forced to upgrade this to my new phone, not because there's anything wrong with it. It didn't break. It's only three years old, but just the software I needed to use stopped working on it. And that's called software driven obsolescence. That's one angle as a software person, you can kind of make your software run on older hardware and therefore reduce the pressure that's constantly there to kind of keep on buying new devices. And in the cloud space is uh, an increasing server utilization. Most servers are sitting at kind of relatively low rates of utilization for a variety of reasons. Most often they're just technical architectural choices that people have made or they're making trade-offs between one thing or another thing. And we just need to rebalance that trade-off to say, look, just increase your utilization. If you're in the cloud space and you're perhaps running on a hyperscaler and you need a server, it's there. You can just keep on running it. You don't need to run at low utilizations. You can run at high utilizations. But wait, why would you want to increase utilization? Wouldn't you be saving energy if you were running less? If you're running two servers at 50% each utilization, you're going to achieve the same amount of functionality if you run one server with 100% utilization and your overall carbon emissions are going to be less. So rather than running 10 servers at 10% utilization, mm -hmm. factoring in both energy and embodied, it's just all over better to run at a high rate of utilization. Is that primarily because of the embodied carbon in all of them? Like you wouldn't have, you would only have to have one instead of nine, or is that because uh, things mm -hmm. become more efficient when they're running at higher capacity? Yeah, there's kind of like some non-linear 
dimensional stuff going on here but there's a little bit of what you're describing there as well which is kind of this energy proportionality principle of servers which is that you know if you're running at zero percent utilization you're not using zero percent energy you're using you know an amount that's not zero mm -hmm. and then the interesting thing is once you get up to kind of like 60 70 percent utilization to get from there to 100 you're not spending much more energy at all so one, one thing we say is actually the more you use a server the more efficient it becomes at turning electricity into useful operations. So there's that other angle to it as well. Okay. And there's a final one, which is called carbon awareness. Somebody said it in a really interesting way recently, which I, I love. Energy efficiency is about using less energy and carbon awareness is about using the right energy. So carbon awareness is about how do you create software that does more when the electricity is clean and less when the electricity is dirty. Mm -hmm. Like for instance, I live in a country which has a fairly decent amount of wind power. And if you can build software which does more when electricity is coming from cleaner sources, and then when the wind stops blowing and the sun stops shining, can you make your software do less? And that's one way in which you can kind of reduce your carbon emissions. And actually, this is the way there's a there's a huge amount of interest in carbon awareness right now. And one of the reasons people are really excited about it is it's actually one of the easiest ways for organizations to explore green software because you have to change some things but it's much more a decision about when and where you run things rather than you're re-architecting an application which is you know quite an involved process so if you are a company and you make software you're not a gigantic company and you're interested in exploring this, but you don't necessarily have resources to kind of bring on a green team or, you know, people who are already really well-versed. Are there some low-hanging fruit that you might help your team to kind of dig into or check out? I used to think this space would just be a checklist. Let's all gather around around a table and just spend a couple of hours writing a checklist that people need to do. And then it became very obvious through those discussions I was having that this was much bigger than a checklist. This is an entire field of computing that we're talking about. Because unfortunately, the advice is uh, very specific and nuanced for the type of application. And it's hard to give very broad scale advice because the same advice for a machine learning engineer might come up with completely the opposite outcome if you gave the same advice to a web developer. So unfortunately, some of this stuff is just... You're just going to have to delve into your particular software stack. You know your products best. You know what they are. The best people to understand how to green your software is your existing teams. What they need is to understand what are the levers of green software. That's some of the things I just mentioned there. So one okay. of the things the foundations created website called principles.green, which is kind of the eight principles of green software. Mm -hmm. The foundation is now creating new certification, which is, again, just about three hours worth of training to level set the team of people, of experienced software practitioners, and just let them understand, like what I spoke about before, like what is energy? Why is it important? What mm -hmm. are the levers? What's embodied carbon? Our belief is if you can just teach people that, your teams already know how to solve problems. They're solving problems right. 24 hours a day. Once you give them the tools, they will then go, oh, now I understand what it means to be green. Oh, just do X, Y, and Z on product ZY. Um, so, you know, first off, you know, have your teams you know, take that training. It's only three hours. And the certification that can come through the Linux Foundation. So you can get a Linux Foundation certification as well. So we're also creating catalogs 
with very specific targeted advice for very specific targeted roles. And we're going to be launching with a catalog for web, if you're in the web space, a catalog for cloud, if you're in the cloud space, and a catalog for machine learning in the machine learning space, uh, maybe mobile as well. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's a big challenge for a lot of people is how do you measure some of this stuff? Measurement has been the hardest problem in this space. But when the foundation was born, we finally had the tools to kind of figure this out. So we've actually come up with a specification for measuring software as well and take a look at that. And again, all this stuff, you go to the Green Software Foundation, you'll find all this material. Does that help with, let's say I work with servers, so I'm going to look at workload balancing toward, you know, there's more wind in the evening. Okay. First of all, I may not know where my device or where my software is going to land globally. And so I don't know what kind of power or where. So, I mean, I could look up. I could find out where, you know, when renewables spike in certain places, perhaps, and do a time-based thing. But, you know, like how, is there any kind of abstracted thing where I can just go, oh, okay, I want to plug into, I want my software to plug into this and run, you know, so I can tell it what workloads to run, but I don't know when energy is spiking or not. Like, how do you find that yeah. out dynamically? There's already these orchestration technologies which are already figuring out oh you need to spin up a server okay mm, over there so that maybe you could add a little bit more logic so it can say mm, oh let me think about it for a second where's cleanest oh maybe over there so there's already there's already some some work being done in that space the foundation also is creating something called a carbon aware software development kit because basically the two questions you asked is the same question that everybody who's doing this thing is asking which is where should i run it and when should i run it and i see so many companies and organizations are solving the same technical problem, which is where open source kind of really shines. So in the foundation, we got kind of multiple organizations together that are looking at the space and they're developing something called a carbonware software development kit, which is a still a little bit abstracted away from what you're asking for, but it will be the kind of library which you would incorporate into Kubernetes to do that orchestration. And it basically provides like an API, like a nice abstraction. You can clearly ask it questions like that. There's multiple data providers that provide that data, but then some of them are free, some of you got paid for, all their APIs are a little bit different. And this thing provides a nice level of abstraction so that you can just use a carbon or SDK. If you buy a different license, you plug it in and your none of your software changes, you're just using the, the SDK. So the other thing you mentioned was planned software obsolescence. And I'm assuming a lot of that is not driven by the software developer. Mm. But that there's not, you know, maybe a manufacturer is saying, okay, past this generation of our hardware, we're not providing support or we're not providing SDKs or APIs or whatever for prior to that. So software engineers or developers are just not, they don't have a means to validate or whatnot. So is there pressure coming from consumers or from developers to alleviate that? Um, I wouldn't say there's a lot of pressure coming from developers to alleviate that, but um, this is an area of of attention. I mean, the foundation kind of, I, f- I feel quite lucky that, you know, with the foundation can work on multiple levels and there is kind of one area which is kind of regulatory pressure. And I think that's probably the angle at which this will come to bear. There's already kind of right to repair movements. Mm-hmm. And this is, I would argue, this is just like a flavor of that, but for software, because the right to repair basically means allow me to repair my hardware so I can use it for longer. Some manufacturers are actually like coming out these days, you know, with very clear, you know, we will have extended periods of support for our new devices to kind of support that. 
Okay. I mean, and I understand there's actual physical limitations at some point. You've got a software yeah. package that's too big and, or, you yeah. know, but uh, we're not talking about that. We're talking about unnecessary or yeah. planned obsolescence, premature. Okay. So you started or you co-founded this a few years ago. Mm. Do you have a time horizon or do you have a threshold or do you have a vision? What is a point where you're like, okay, that actually worked. (laughs) (laughs) I can, I can retire and just kind of move (laughs) on to the next challenge. Um, So we've actually, the foundation is just, we've just finished what's called a theory of change exercise. Well, we invited at least all the member organizations and all the existing leads in the foundation just to sit down and figure out like, what is our one, two, three, four, 10 year plan, you know, where, where do you want to get to? Like, actually, what is the ideal future? Because honestly, well, the original mission statement was made by me in about you know 20 minutes because I had to send something to an organization like quickly. But the new outcome that we want to achieve is that there should be zero harmful environmental effects from using software, which I think is a really powerful outcome because a we talk about environmental effects not just carbon because there's a lot of people in the foundation want to talk beyond carbon because there are other Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, environmental effects there's kind of like uh, air quality which has a direct relation to life expectancy and there's also you know water scarcity which i think is going to become more and more challenging as as the years go on that's the future we want to have and then it comes it fills into my philosophy as well like i have this statement which is that um I do offset everything, but I do fly and I don't feel guilty about it because the future we want is that the flying shouldn't have any harm for the environmental effects. That's the future we want to have. The future isn't people making choices. The future is just by default, we can live a life which doesn't Mm. have any harm to the environment. And and that's kind of the outcome the foundation wants. Mm. Consumers of software shouldn't be making a choice. They shouldn't be asking themselves a question, oh, do I really need to use this device? Do I need to watch TV at this resolution no you should be guilt-free consumption uh, because we have like solved the problems on on the other side and you know we've come up with what we want to achieve in the next three years and what we want to achieve in the next 10 years this isn't something i would argue you can win this is just something that some of us will be working on this side of the problem from now till eternity and there'll be other forces and hopefully the the tower, the balance in the middle will be something that we can live with in this world. But that's kind of how I see it. This, this is not going to be one. This is just, we need a lot of people on one side to counterbalance the other side. Asim Hussein, Director of Green Software and Development and Ecosystem at Intel and also co-founded the Green Software Foundation. Thank you, Asim. Thank you for having me here. Stay tuned for the next episode of In Technology and follow at Tom M. Garrison and Camille at Morehart on Twitter to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guests and author and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Intel Corporation. Intel Corporation.